Greetings, church and friends of the church. It is Memorial Day weekend, 2020. This is our 11th weekend in this um, pandemic season of wilderness. Uh, we are disconnected from what used to be our normal, um, find ourselves in different patterns in different places, um, and in so many ways isolated. And we know we're not to a new normal yet. We're still stuck in this in-between, and we're not exactly sure how it will end, although hopefully sometime soon um, things will start to change. Um, in this time, we have not been able to relate to God or each other or our neighborhoods or our own selves in the same ways that we are used to. And so this, is, this has been a really unique uh, opportunity for us to, to really reflect and um, reconsider the ways that we do um, feel compelled to relate to God and ourselves and each other and this world around us. Um, to summarize uh, some of the things we've been considering um, so far in this uh, series of reflections, um, we've thought about um, how we need to be present to the realities that are with us um, and all around us in this season and not be blinded by our memories of what was. Um, we've considered the importance of allowing empathy to arise um, within us as we have a view um, of the world around us as it is. We've uh, considered the dynamic of privilege, uh, becoming more aware of our own privilege through this time of being present with empathy um, and, and considering extending privilege to include all. Uh, we've considered how God is in control of God's stuff, um, but how we have to be in control of the people's stuff in the midst of this life in order for our life together to be all that we know it ought to be. We've considered how we can't go back because just going, if we just go back to, the, to what we knew as normal before, we acknowledge that that is a place that is not good enough for everyone. That's good for some, but not for all. And so we next considered that we need adaptation and creativity because our old solutions, uh, not only are they um, not suited uh, for all, but they're also not suited for the circumstances we find ourselves in now, which are wildly different world circumstances than when these solutions were put in place decades ago. Um, we've considered our natural tendencies that we have evolved as human beings to have. Um, that we all share this reactivity, proneness to uh, fight or flight, um, the tendency toward negativity, and the tendency toward tribalism. We reflected on how these tendencies are part of the stories of Ahmad Arbery, the um, armed protests and conspiracy theories. And in the last episode, we reflected on what it really means to be spiritual and not just physical, uh, animalistic, or primal, and, and, and what it means to be spiritual and not just religious. So the next um, step in this conversation, this train of thought, is to consider then the kinds of temptations that arise out from our human tendencies to, to fight or flee, to assume and remember the negative, and to be tribal. Um, we're going to reflect generally about three different temptations at the macro level, and, and then later um, 
reflect specifically um, on ways that these temptations have become a part of our everyday lives at the micro level in our in our context of the here and now? Um, as we begin to think about temptations, uh, we have to acknowledge that a person, any person who feels and knows temptation is not an evil person, just a human person. Um, there's not something inherently wrong with feeling temptation. It's, what's important is not if we face it, but how we respond when we do face it. And so our key question is whether we will respond to temptation as a purely physical self-serving creature or as a spiritual being. So these um, three macro temptations are in dis uh, they're, they're on display in our spiritual and scriptural history. When we read the stories of the scriptures, we know that Moses had to move beyond these temptations in order to do his part in leading Israel out of slavery. The prophets had to move beyond these temptations in order to stand up in the midst of the Israelite exiles and call the people to love and serve the other persons and nations around them rather than fight them or run away from them. Jesus had to move beyond these temptations before he could start his movement of reforming human understandings and relationships for the sake of peace. And more contemporary heroes like Rosa Parks, MLK, Bonhoeffer, Nelson Mandela, they all had to move beyond these temptations. So back to Jesus. As we considered in the last episode, when we hear Matthew's telling of the Jesus event, Matthew attributes Jesus' movement out into the wilderness um, as a re direct result of being filled with the Spirit of God, allowing room within that place where attitudes are adopted and decisions are made, um, making room there for the spirit of the eternal God of love and creativity and justice to be the voice that dictated actions, attitudes, and responses. It wasn't the voice of his physical tendencies urging him to self-focus. It wasn't the voice of the religious leaders around him. It wasn't the voice of greed. It was the, the voice of the spirit of God. Um, the spirit of the eternal and mysterious God who bids us all out into the wilderness to face and overcome these temptations. Now, the first temptation that he faced in his wilderness um, and, the, and the temptation we consider today is the temptation regarding our relationship to our own self, which is the temptation to elevate the importance of the self above all else. To believe that life is all about our needs and desires being met as quickly as possible. This is the temptation to be self-focused and self-serving in life. For Jesus, this temptation presented itself when he felt the natural urge of hunger. You're hungry, this temptation told him. Turn this stone into bread. Meet your needs. Make yourself the priority. Why not? For Moses, this temptation presented itself when he realized he was being asked to go do something dangerous. Send somebody else, he said, out from that temptation. For us today, this temptation takes um, a million different shapes depending on the circumstances, depending on what our fight or flight, our negativity, and our tribal tendencies are readying us to do or say. Temptation to look out for number one is a very natural, universally common part of the human experience. This temptation meets us in our relationships, whether 
as spouse, parent, grandparent, child, friend, acquaintance, stranger, or enemy. In any relationship, will I seek to use that relationship to meet my needs, to my own ends, or will I be concerned about the needs of the other? Is that relationship about what's in it for me? Since I sense myself to be more important and elevated over the other. This temptation meets us in our bank statements. Will my financial resources be only for the sake of my own ends? This temptation meets us in our domestic and international politics. Will I seek a social order that aligns with my elevated sense of self as though my needs and desires are more important than those of others? This temptation meets us in our religion. Will I seek a set of religious habits and practices that not only meet uh, my need for a personal sense of eternal life and salvation, but also reinforce my elevated sense of self by telling me that I can earn a more righteous place before God and the sinners of the world? Or will I seek a set of spiritual habits and practices that demand that I humble myself and seek the well-being of others. This temptation is everywhere. It is not a spiritual or moral deficit to feel this temptation to elevate the self. It's simply a physical reality. Freud called that part of us that gives birth to these primal human tendencies and temptations the id. We all have it. Again, the important question is not whether or not we are tempted to self-focus and self-serve, but what we will do with that rational part of our brain in response to the temptation. Will we let the primal tendencies dictate what we do? Will we live uh, with a spirit of fearful self-preservation? Or will we live by a different spirit? In response to this temptation, Jesus says, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus names his realization that our physical tendencies, urges, and fears are not the only motivators or guides or instigators in life. We can base our decisions, our actions, our words, our attitudes, our politics on something more than just this hardwired primal human tendency to self-focus and self-serve. We're capable of listening to a word of guidance and inspiration that does not come from our id and its self-defense mechanisms. Freud called this part of us um, that can generate prohibitions and inhibitions and a conscience, the superego, and we all have that too. If we're honest, we admit that um, when we really think about this, we, are, we already know this. We, we already know that, that, that every human being has this ability to, to not just be a slave to our physical tendencies. We already know that we can make room in our spirit for other voices to have the final say about our decisions, words, attitudes, finances, and politics. We already know that we're spiritual beings, people motivated and driven by ideas, norms, expectations, understandings, and prejudices that are given room within our spirits. We already know that we're spiritual beings who allow room within our spirit for other voices and other words to shape us. Whether that's our, our grandmothers, uh, our politicians, our money. And we also know that if a voice or a word echoes 
what our id tendency to self-focus is already telling us, then it's very tempting to listen to that voice. So in Matthew's narrative, he names that tempting voice, the voice of the devil, the Satan, which is the Hebrew word for adversary, adversary of God in particular. When we hear this word Satan or Satan, I invite you to think not of a physical creature. Um, one of my favorite portrayals being Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live with a red face and pointy horns and a pitchfork and a guitar singing a song for Garth Brooks about how Fred's got slacks. Go look that up on YouTube if you haven't seen it. When we hear this idea of Satan, I invite you to think less about a physical being in a physical place and more about an idea or an attitude that's adverse to or opposed to God's rhythms of life and love and justice and well-being for all creation. Any idea that's given room in my spirit that echoes, condones, permits, encourages, or demands that I act on this temptation to elevate the self above others and self-focus rather than to live with a focus on the well-being of others and the common good is not the spirit of God. It's the adversary of that. So there's this one point um, in the scriptures where we read about Jesus calling his very best friend Peter Satan because he was standing in the way of Jesus' godly and self-sacrificing love. If we're not intentional, this id tendency we have to self-focus and self-serve will cause our brain to filter out and reject any voice that challenges our self-focus and will amplify and latch onto any voice that reinforces our self-focus. We all have these filters that act naturally if left unattended. This is how religious, political, marketing, economic leaders can become so dangerous. When they use their voices to trigger that fear response and tendency to self-focus and self-serve within us. And they tell us what we want to hear about how they're gonna help us and protect us and serve our interests. We latch onto them and we allow so much room for their voices within our spirit. And so we always have to be on alert when we allow that room within our spirit to someone else. We have to ask, are they nurturing this very tempting spirit within me that compels me to just look out for myself and my tribe? And if so, we have to wrestle with that temptation. We have to push it out so there's room for the Spirit of God instead. One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And as a Christian, the key claim for me is that God's word to the world was spoken most clearly in Jesus. The one who taught us to love at all costs, to forgive endlessly, to include unconditionally, to give of the self rather than seeking to receive. We do not live by our id alone. We do not live only by the primal urge to elevate our sense of self above all else. Yes, that part of us has something to say in every moment, but we are not slaves to it. We can live by a different word speaking. In every moment, in every relationship, every financial decision, every political action and statement, every religious practice and exercise, we have a choice. We have an ego that can help us to find that balance between id and superego. 
between necessary self-maintenance and other focused action for the sake of the other and the common good. But we have to make that choice. The lives from our human history that we most often celebrate are those persons uh, we were able to move beyond this temptation. For if we can't or won't, then the story that others will tell about our lives when we die is that the impact of our life was defined by what we've done only for the sake of the self. But when we can and will move beyond this temptation to self-elevate and to make a life about the self, and instead we make the life um, about the sake of the common good and the other, then the story that others tell about our lives when we die is that we had an impact that was larger than our own personal world. We had an impact on the whole world. This was Moses. This was Jesus and Parks and King. So will this be us? What will our legacy be? If we choose to listen not only to the id of the self, but also to the word of the life-giving, mysterious, and loving God whose eternal nature is compelling us to live together in justice and mercy and peace, a shared well-being and a common good. That openness to the divine will help us to move beyond this macro temptation to self-elevate and to instead live the kinds of lives that change the world for good. The lives that uh, Jesus in particular promised us would be the most abundant, the most meaningful, and the most full. Stay home, stay safe, be well, and peace be with you all.